So we are back with the Running Lifestyle Culture podcast. I'm really excited this week to have Mr. Marathon Marcus on the podcast. Marcus, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. I, I mean, I usually refer to myself as Marcus Proud, so uh, <laughs> in real life. <laughs> I, I love that, Marathon Marcus, bro. It's just, I think it's very, very, uh, you know, epitomizes probably, you know, your, your Instagram and um but on the podcast you 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 started to give you your, your your intro on this podcast running lifestyle culture the guest actually you know introduces themselves and gives us a breakdown of, of who they are so um marcus give us a breakdown of, of who you are so first and foremost i'd say i'm a father of two uh, kids husbands uh, this sort of sounds like gladiator in the way. I'm into it. That's uh, good. But no, I mean, people know me on Instagram as uh, known for my running. I'm a six star, one marathon major finisher. I run primarily the marathon distance. I started from 4:55 marathon and I went my way down to three hours and 19 seconds. Wow. And so yeah, still uh, working to sort of see what my best looks like. Amazing. I think I think runners can really resonate with that. We're always working to see what the our best looks like. And what got you into what got you into running? How did you start? Uh, well, I started running th- um, from a vet from a friend um, to do a what could have been like a ten k or anything like that. He was basically doing half marathons and things like that. And I was pretty unfit after uh, finishing university. But before that, I played a lot a lot of football. I was pretty fit and that kind of thing. And then you sort of go to university, live life a little bit, enjoy life, and then you think you still got it, and then you realise you haven't got it. <laughs> uh, so, but the thing is, I would never really run more than say 400 meters, 800 meters. So for me, like running a 10k seemed like an eternity. Yeah. Uh, so I tried to get out of it as many ways as I could, and he eventually found the race, the uh, Nike um, Northwest and South race, and that was my first experience of uh, running. Nice. And like when you when you um, you know when you started running, were there some things that you you were doing like errors you would you would do that now you're like why was I doing that? Yeah, I mean there's so many rookie mistakes yeah. that I can sort of tell you really of everything not to do. Yeah. Uh, firstly, was the kit. Yeah. Um, obviously, you don't need to spend lots of money on the kit, but I was basically wearing my my football kit which mm-hmm. was the wrong sort of stuff to wear and I was wearing the wrong shoes. Um, so get yourself some supportive shoes. Um, next mistake was trying to run every session. Like I was trying to set a PB, trying <laughs> to run it faster than the day before. Yeah. Again, that's a rookie mistake. Not yeah. really understanding the way that, you know, uh, respecting the aerobic side and the 80, 20 rule, um, not really respecting strength and conditioning. Um, not getting injured all the time. Yeah. And, the thing is with runners, like, you get like an injury, say, to your knee or whatever you think it's to, to do with that part of your body. But as you learn, you know, it's basically pain that sort of goes, transfers the way through the body. So it could be in your hip, basically. You've got a weak glute or something like that, and it just sort of goes to your knee. So those kind of things, not really understanding how your body works. Um, and, the, and the mental side, which we'll probably get into as well. Uh, I think in life, sometimes you can feel like, you know, you do... You follow A, then you follow B, and it will take you to C. But running really shows you that life isn't like that at all. Yeah, it's a bit of a roller coaster, right? I used to do the um, I used to do the football stuff as well. I used to wear football socks. 
that's like anyone who knows me from when I first started running they know like that's the thing I do football socks was like my big thing and I loved it I like so I'd pull them up in the winter and then have them learn the um so yeah I I resonate with that I I hear you on that one I totally relate to that because I think my first marathon I was wearing like a Brazil shirt it looked like I was like third fourth reserve (laughs) for like Brazil and you you uh, kind of uh, we're gonna come back to football shirts actually we'll come back to that a little bit later on but um what was your so what was your first uh full marathon uh, first full marathon was in Abingdon. It was around about two thousand and eight. Yeah, believe. yeah, and 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 like, how how did you find that? Was it like, you know, did you was it a daunting thing that you thought, oh, this is gonna be, this is gonna be really challenging, or were you like, I got this? I, I don't think you'll be that arrogant to feel like you've got it. I mean, you do your training and you're just going into something for the first time, and the, you know, the day of the marathon, I mean, it never really changes um, unless you're kind of, you're kind of over the marathon, you want to do something else. You still get those nerves. So you have those nerves, those butterflies, you're not quite sure where to kind of put it. And it's all new for you. So you're not really understanding how to pace yourself. You're not really understanding how to fuel. I mean, there's so many things that looking back that I didn't really know. And I'm not saying you get to a point where you, you all, you know, but you, you know better than you did before. Um, so yeah, there's so many things that it's just an unknown really. You're going into the, <laughs> you're stepping into the abyss yeah. and you get to mile 20 and you're just like in a different world. You've just gone further than you've ever gone in training and you're like, man, this is like, <laughs> I've gone to a place that I can't get back. <laughs> this is how did, how did, how did it like, how did it play out? Like how were the first few miles? Were you like living the dream? Were you enjoying it? I'm not quite sure living the dream, but like, do you know you've got all that adrenaline flowing and you're feeling great and everything's going well? Yeah. And then that point you know, hits you, it's like, man, this is getting real now. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, just because of just the fueling side, pacing, that kind of really caught up with me. Then you're kind of walking, running, walking, running. Yeah. Uh, and the mental side as well is quite challenging because you get to a point of like, uh, it's just the physical side, really. Um, and then it makes you, the mind want to quit. Mm-hmm. So especially when you do it the first time, you're not quite sure. You don't really gone to that dark place in training. Yeah. I mean, you think you have, but you you, you don't. Um, you, when you're sort of deep into the you know twenties, and um, yeah, getting to that point was was really tough. But I remember just walking, running, walking, running, just getting encouragement from the crowd, and just being like, man, I just want to get to the end. Um, you, you sort of, you know, you have the doubts for sure, but. Um, you get to the end and it's like, man, I've, I've done it. You know, you sort of reveal a strength in your side yourself that um, was probably always there, but you never really recognise as much. So, um, yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't an arrogant sort of thing. It was very much uh, a new experience um, and just trying to do something different. Yeah. And how, how far into your running journey were you before you did your first marathon? Probably like two years. So I think I did a lot of um, 10Ks and halves. And again, it's another rookie mistake. I got into it uh, running. I didn't get into it as a junior, so I didn't really have the sort of the fundamentals and a coach and just someone to sort of really teach you what to do. I got into my 20s and just kind of really went at it with more like brute force than actual finesse yeah. and skill and learning. And your enthusiasm can take you so far. 
Um, and I think I raced too much um, without sort of respecting the other sides, you know, the nutrition, the sleep, to just the the training. Training isn't just uh, 16 weeks and then you're like, you're, you're off. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're, you're just maintaining throughout the year. So, uh, so many factors that um, you know, I look back at it. But to be honest, you don't know what you don't know at the time. So I don't give myself a hard time. I just, sometimes you just got to try something new and just see what happens. Yeah, it's a bit bit of a, as we talk about the journey and it like running teaches you like things don't always go to plan. And I think, um, yeah, it's it's so insightful for people to hear the difference, you know, the the journey you went through and how you've made changes and, you know, you're not wearing Brazil shirts. So <laughs> it's interesting to sort of say like about things not going to plan because I, I probably speak to myself when I say this and I know other people can relate. It's like, you know, you sit on your couch and you've got this brilliant idea, like I'm going to run a marathon, I'm going to do this. And when this moment happens, I'm going to do this. And it happens at your first marathon. It's like, man, I was asking for a challenge, but you say to the universe, I wasn't looking for this much of a challenge. So it like slaps you in the face yeah. <laughs> and probably brings you down. So at the beginning, you're kind of like, uh, you know, trying to fight against it. But actually, as you sort of, I've got more into it, you know, those are the kind of moments that I, I really enjoy the challenging moments, the uncomfortable moments. Uh, that's where a lot of the lessons and uh, and the bigger lessons, actually, unexpected lessons have come from, rather than the successes of, oh, I get a PB and then I'll like, be like this, or I'll do this training session and I'll be like this. Yeah. the I guess the, you know, the Denzel Washington says the biggest, uh, the biggest, the biggest kind of, obstacle to progress is you know that that being comfortable um so you need to get into that uncomfortable zone and you need to have those challenges um and they build you up i guess right yeah i mean easier said than done yeah. you know <laughs> and um as i've got more into it i'm better at being in that place but at the beginning it was it was tough yeah and you finished um so six stars tell me about this six stars finisher so uh, basically, the um, there's a series of six uh, marathons, uh, six uh, world marathon majors. So London, Berlin, Tokyo, uh, Boston, Chicago, New York, um, and they are the biggest six. And yeah, they basically put this thing together to, you know, encourage people to try and uh, go for a new challenge. And I, I am mindful as well that you know, doing it is pretty hard to get into for a lot of the races now because of the competition and. Obviously, the financial side. Obviously, this is pre-lockdown, pre-COVID as well. Um, and even before that, I think when I did it, I think more people climbed Everest than the six uh, world marathon majors. And obviously, people die Everest. <laughs> so, but um, jokes aside, I mean, I, I I am mindful that, you know, doing the majors is an expensive undertaking and it's not possible for everyone to do. Um, so, um, I kind of want to caveat by doing that. But for me... What it represented was um, doing something out of my comfort zone, like we spoke about doing the marathon. I had a friend uh, that did New York, and I remember at the time I did London and Berlin, and I was thinking, oh, that's my lot, you know, for like the maiden sort of thing. And she said, I did New York. I was like, it must be better than London, because she's in London as well. She's like, no, this is better than London. I was like, wow, I've got to get a piece of this. Um, and that sort of basically set me in the path. And do you know when you start? you open your mind to a possibility then your mind starts working to how can I make this happen yeah um, and then I did did that I was like man this is amazing I've got to do the other ones and then it kind of snowballed from there and I was kind of like on the path to 
after finishing um, the men's yeah, Boston Marathon 2018 was uh, the last one and man that was that was tough so um, I did that one too when what year did you do it in same one 2018 the hailstones man the rain (laughs) the wind how did that how did that marathon make you feel about running um (laughs) to be honest mate if i would have done that marathon my first marathon it probably would have broken me but um when i went into that marathon um i knew that the weather was going to be bad obviously no one knew how bad it was going to be but i basically mentally prepared myself and we talk about you know the physical side and the, and the mental side are equally important in preparation. And sometimes you just have to adapt on the fly. Obviously, you didn't know the weather was going to be that bad, but uh, we've got an indication. And I remember sitting in my hotel room, just getting a bit of paper out, just going through all the scenarios of everything that could go really well and everything that could go really wrong, and then how I would deal with it. Yeah. Now, obviously, you can't plan for every eventuality, but when you uh, go through those sort of processes, it gives you the ability, which is um, which you need in marathon running to problem solve on the run because you will not have a perfect race. Something will happen that will might annoy you, like your shoelace might be come undone, or you know your something might be rubbing, or your elbow sort of hits you. Do you know what I mean, some annoying thing that could come up, um, or it could be a big thing like your your fuel, you're, you're out of fuel or something like that. But essentially, there's always going to be some sort of challenge that you sort of need to deal with, and. So I got into this race, so back to Boston, and knew it was going to be really bad. And as you know, the weather was just chucking it down from <laughs> as soon as you left the hotel till you got to the race. And and it's funny, like I was just like I was I was feeling fine. I was like joking on the bus. I was just like pretty prepared because it's like you don't need to waste energy. Do you know what I mean? Stressing about what it is. It's, the weather is what it is. You can't control it. Just deal with it. Um, and although you're cold and things like that you're just like once we can go then i'm just gonna go i'm literally like get back to my hotel as quick as possible that's all i was thinking just put one foot in front of the other and from like zero to 26.2 um i couldn't really tell you much of what i was thinking during the race or i can't really tell you much what happened during the race i was literally just focused on just like one foot in front of the other and not focusing on like it's cold or it's windy or whatever i'm just like it is what it is just accept it yeah it and just go through it um it's a great mindset yeah so for me like that was probably a, a big teacher but like i said like I, w- I wasn't the same person that i was when i did the first marathon if i did the if that was my first marathon man that would have broken me it was a, it was a tough one i i completely agree and um did you have a jacket on yeah yeah, I didn't have a jacket on, Marcus. It was it was crazy. Even the elites had jackets on. Like this is the only this is the only marathon where people are wearing jackets. And I was starting I was standing at the start line. I was like, "Why are you wearing a jacket? Everyone was wearing jackets." I was like, "Is it going to be that bad?" So they had a they had a wind chill, which was took the temperature to like minus two. We had hails, we had rain, uh, torrential rain. Um, yeah, that was. That was an experience, but um, I think once you run Boston 2018, you can run any anywhere, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, like you say, it was just like that weather was like from point to point. People, if you're not running Boston, it is point to point marathon. There's no loops. There's no, yeah. you know what I mean? It was literally like that the whole way. Headwind so the whole way. I respect you for like not wearing a jacket. I was just like, if the elites are wearing a jacket. I'm I had, su- jacket. I had sunglasses on as well, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was out here. I was protecting myself from that wind. I was like, I don't want to see anything or anyone. It was just like, just try and stay in the zone. But that was, uh, there, was a, there was a bit of walking. I'm telling you that marathon was, my body temperature must have um, dropped. And I ended up actually in the, um, in the tent, in the medical tent. So yeah. Did you manage to leave unscathed after the marathon? Uh, yeah, pretty much. So I did like a, um, a video for uh, Marathon Majors afterwards, um, which is, I think, obviously people have seen it on, online, where they, they sort of captured my sort of feelings post-marathon, uh, which is kind of amazing. But it's cool. really weird, like, uh, when I finished the race, I was kind of in that kind of mode of just like, like I was still focused in the race. I was just still focused. So I wasn't really feeling anything. I was just kind of just in you know, that process orientated mode. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, after once you cross the line, then the cold hits you, and you're yeah. like, man, this is really cold. Yeah. Like my te- my teeth were chattering. I was just like, just get back to the hotel. Uh, thankfully, I didn't need to go into the medical tent. But man, my don't when your jaws start chattering. Yeah. Uh, I I was feeling that, and then you you just don't when you stop, you stop and you're just like standing still. Nothing just, works. Nothing works. Man. Right. And you got through it though, did you? Yeah, you got 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 to the either. finish line. Got to the finish line. Um, but yeah, it was insane. It was it was an experience and um, something that yeah anybody who ran that year, you've got that kind of mutual mutual understanding, right? You got that kind of you yeah. experienced it. Um, did you? And get... when it rains as well, you think is it like Boston rain? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every time. Yeah, every time you're like, is this gonna be like? You've almost got like PTSD, right? You're like, oh, is this gonna be like that or? Um, so did you get your sixth star there? Yeah, I got my sixth star there. Amazing. Um, funny enough, we talk about the PTSD type thing. Like, I remember I, I got a place to run London as well. Like, yeah. And that was like six days afterwards. Yeah. And the weather was like opposite. It was like baking hot. Yeah. And uh, I remember starting before I started the race. And those times you have a thought in your head, and you're just like, and, and you say it in your head. If you don't realise you've said it out loud, yeah. I was like, oh god. And people were like, oh, you're right. I was like, yeah. I was just, I was like thinking back to Boston. I was like, yeah. man, I can't deal with it. Dude, I, like, I had a few dreams. Yeah. yeah, I had a few dreams, bro. I definitely had a few dreams about like, about how cold it was. And like, people had, people had to do my laces because I couldn't do them up. Like, it, I was that cold. Like, I'd just be like, please, can you do my laces? I can't use my hands. Like, in during the race, it was funny you talk about, you know, your laces getting undone. That's the only race that I've actually had that happen to me. Um, yes, and, I, and I couldn't do, I couldn't do them up. Um, it was, in, it was insane. It was um, an experience. Um, I feel, I feel you, man. I had the same sort of thing happen. Like, my laces are undone in the beginning and your hands are like ice blocks. Yeah. And you're just trying to do it. <laughs> it's like, I thought twice to do my laces and I was like, do you start thinking crazy thoughts? You're just like, I'm going to throw my shoes off. I'm just going to run barefoot. I think this is going to end up becoming a podcast about the Buster 2018 marathon. All right, let's move on quick because otherwise we're just going to end up staying here. Um, so you've also done, um, just let's go through it. So Berlin you've done, London you've done. Um, let's, let's talk about... Um, what was the other one? Tokyo, is it? Is Tokyo one of them? Yeah, Tokyo, uh, Chicago, New York as well. Amazing. So how's, how's Tokyo? Because I, I know like some of the European marathons people will know about, but Tokyo, I think, is something that may not be on a lot of people's radar listening to this podcast if they're new to running or, you know, they haven't done any marathons. What's Tokyo like? 
I mean, first of all, Japan as a country is, is incredible. If you get a chance to go there, you need to spend a few weeks there. Uh, the running scene, the culture there is very strong. Um, they take it very seriously. I mean, you've got some amazing athletes out there that run it. It's very competitive. It's very hard to get into as well. Um, it's just an amazing race. I think they've changed the course slightly um, from when I was there um, when I ran it. But um, it's it's very efficient. It's very clean. And I've got to say, like the thing I liked about it was just the um, how clean it was. I mean, like people were very conscious about dropping litter. Or if litter was dropped, like the attendants there, the stewards were like were picking up picking them up and I swear like they were like ninjas they were so nimble footed man they were just like in and out picking up the rappers and just moving out and also something that made me laugh as well it's just like they had like police officers like running the marathon and I was just like come on guys first of all you're doing your job and you're running a marathon now you're just like <laughs> you're making us all look bad it's crazy that's amazing um, but if you get a chance to run that I mean it's <laughs> a, an incredible place uh, an incredible experience cool man so, what would you say is your highlight on your marathon journey before we move on? Uh, it would have to be New York. I mean, New York was the one that started the journey for me. Um, and I originally ran it in like 3.59. Then I went back, ran it in 3.22. And about that sort of time. And then I ran it last year in three hours and like 19 seconds. So, just wow. just, uh, just close to sub three. But... Um, yeah, so that's probably that's my uh, well, my marathon PR currently, and uh, yeah. And that's probably. a tough course, right? Man, it's, it is a tough course, and um, it's because also the concrete and the roads just really beat your legs up on, on especially on on the rolling sort of hills as well, and you just don't really, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I got to like mile twenty on pace, so I ran about two fifteen pace, um, two hours fifteen minutes. I was like, no, I'm feeling good, and man, it just like it just took it out of me. So, um, and that's the thing about marathons, you don't always get it right. I mean, sometimes you can go really hot and and then just not hold it to the end. But um, ideally, in a marathon, it would be great just to you know run the first half um, with your head. I so said the first half, but zero to twenty, and then run the, the last ten k with your heart, basically, um, and whatever you've got left, then just give it there. Uh, but New York is almost a strange one. Because you can't almost you can't give it straight away at mile twenty one twenty two. I think you still need to hold, um, and it's kind of like I'd love to go back and do it again just for the challenge because it's such a difficult course. Um, just to give it another uh, sub three shot. Yeah, I mean, if you can run three hours nineteen seconds in New York, I think you you you've got a really good chance in in terms of um, your future marathons, right? To to. To break it because 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 of New York's you know undulating course you know with the hills and and, and yeah. things like that. I've had like experience runners say you know like New York is like X amount of minutes or whatever slower than uh, say a Berlin or a Chicago. So I mean in your head you know you run a sub three and a and a, a flatter course, but obviously you've got to go out and do it. So um, it's just one of those things that like we said like the marathon doesn't owe you anything. You could put all the work and do the training in. Um, and I don't want to sound bitter. I mean, I, I gave my best on that day, and I've got no regrets. So Sometimes it's, it's an amazing achievement, though. Know? It's an amazing achievement. Yeah. You know, you you've you're probably in maybe something like the top, you know, fifteen percent for that race. So uh, it's incredible. Um, now, 
I've seen you've got a podcast. Yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about your podcast. So, yeah, uh, my podcast is called A Runner's Life, and it was basically started in lockdown. And so was this. So was Running Lifestyle Culture. <laughs> but you've That's got awesome, so though. many more episodes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you up to yeah. now? How many episodes have you got? Man, I've got loads. I've got like. Over 40 out, and I've got probably a couple in the back catalogue as well, ready to go out. So I've done a lot. Wow, amazing! I kind of went out pretty hard when it's first one. Kind of like, I guess once I sort of start something, I kind of really get into it. So, um, uh, but to be honest, though, I, I, I not, I, I do it because I enjoy it, and I think especially during lockdown, you know, you don't have that connection with people uh, physically so much. You've got the, the digital connection, and for me, it was just a great way to connect with people and just speak to people. Um, and to learn about them and just find out the things that I was curious to know really less so about a kind of the typical kind of stuff of like uh, what session are you doing what are you eating because we all generally know what you should be doing and then we also know that people are different so what works for you might not work for me um, so I think I'm sort of mindful of that so I really want to ask the questions that people are really we can all really relate to um, you know stuff that's happening during training things that happen during our lives that impact, impact training and um, how we kind of stay motivated. Um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I've had some really cool people on there. I've had, like, spoken to like Knox Robinson. Yeah, um, Knox is a good friend like, of mine. He's a really good good guy to have on. Yeah, he's a top guy, to be honest. Um, he's, he's, he's lived a life, man. So, I mean, you could you could have him on there for hours, to be honest. Yeah, he's funny. You should, um, and well, you should go out for a drink with Knox. Say again? You should go out for a drink with Knox if he's ever in London. Yeah, I've said that to him. We'll, we'll definitely have to try and make that happen for sure. Um, but obviously I've spoken about some like, like like Knox as well and I've had some other great guests on there, some elite runners. Uh, I've spoken to Hugh Brasher as well from London Marathon and we spoke about uh, what was happening during the lockdown obviously after I think April when they originally postponed the races. But then... I enjoy speaking to just everyday runners, you know, the people are just trying to go out and just do their best. Nice. Um, you know, from the elites down to just the people like myself, really. Yeah. Um, you can learn something from everyone, and, and that's what I've learned. I mean, you don't have to be a two and a bit hour marathoner to have an amazing story. I mean, I've learned some of the people that don't run, say, some of the fastest marathons are still like some of the mentally strongest people that I've spoken to some of the things that have had to overcome in their lives. Yeah. So I think the lesson I've learned is that you just never, not that I did it before, don't judge it book by its cover, but just be open-minded that everyone has something to teach you. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. And you have to walk a mile in somebody's shoes, right, to know what they're going through. So I think that's always what I say to, um, you know, to you got to bear in mind you, you, you haven't, you know, been on their, on their journey. Um, yeah. love it yeah. that's that's amazing man and, and and in terms of what's like what does running mean to you um, also can I just add one more point actually to the, yeah. the podcasting I thought to mention as well I think you asked me about also why I started it but I, I spoke about obviously just lessons learned but also I wanted to create um, something that no respect to the podcasting space there's a lot of great podcasts out there not great media out there, but there's not a lot of people that look like me uh, from London black that I could really relate to. And people go, yeah, but you know, there's loads, loads of black people. That yeah. Run. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not in Ethiopia. I'm not in Kenya. So yeah. I can't relate to those, those, those runners. You know what I mean, 
Yeah. Um, so I really wanted to sort of, um, especially with the whole Black Lives Matter, and it just makes you sort of think really that um, there's a lot of voices that aren't heard, um, and you want to really make it a part of normal conversation. Yeah. Um, but to be honest, though, when speaking to you, though, it's almost like I almost feel like slightly outraged that we've not actually connected before. I know. In the same races, the same people. It's kind of crazy. So that six degrees of separation type thing. Yeah. So, um, well, now we know. Now, now's the time, right? I mean, like, yeah, yeah, with BLM, and I'm glad that you mentioned that, and we've we've got more chat to discuss on that near the end. But yeah, yeah. I definitely think it's a time for us to be. Um, setting our best foot forward um and yeah i think yeah i've definitely gone to to places and always felt like well why is this the way it is you know why 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 is it that there's this big separation i mean when i was uh warming up for london marathon 2019 last year somebody said to me you're not elite (laughs) and i was like what what do you mean they're like you just look like you look really good i was like thanks but basically what they were saying is like they don't really see very many black people you know in the vip so i was in the vip section and i was lucky enough that i got a place through a brand and 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 they were like they were in absolute shock because they you know i had all the all the kit and i looked like a certain type of you know body type and and i was black and they were like not many black people from their point of view um you know, run. Um, so it's good to good to have you on the podcast. Good to see that you're running, um, representing. So yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's interesting to sort of talk about the the representing side because I just feel like I do it because I enjoy running. I never, I mean, even though I've got my Instagram uh, stuff, people would be like, "Yeah, you must be a certain type of person." But anyone that knows me uh, offline knows that I'm like. I'd say I'm more of an introverted type person. I'm confident, but you know I mean, I'm kind of more in my own space. And I actually did the Instagram stuff and even doing the podcast. Um, to, to, you know, you just do stuff. You, you learn in life that you need to do things that scare you. If something happens, you're just like, I feel uncomfortable up to a certain point. You're just like, well, I need to do it so I can sort of break that that that, that sort of hold it has in me. And I guess Instagram was a kind of like the, the fear of just putting yourself out there, the fear of like looking stupid or whatever. Um, and even like doing the podcast again, it's like selfishly, it's almost like the fear of just um, public speaking. Yeah. So I feel like you know doing this and talking to different people, and and the amazing beauty of it as well is like it's really hard, not hard, but it's it's more difficult when you're talking to someone in a podcast and you haven't got like you can't see their facial reaction, so you can't really build a rapport, you can't see their body reaction, so you have to really really rely on your listening more so to kind of really build that rapport. And I feel it's a you know really builds skills and that you, do you know what I mean you sort of really take for granted. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and you you yeah you have to build that connection, um, and yeah, it's I think it's um, it's a lost art a little bit, and it's good it's good that we're bringing that back. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, back to this question. Yeah. What does running mean to you? It means a lot of different things, really. So um, right now, running represents freedom. It represents expression. Um, I've also spoken about the colour side. It's a time where I almost don't have to consciously be reminded that I'm black. Not that it's a thing that gets 
brought up all the time and you but it's one of those subconscious things that you you feel from your when you walk into a, a place or whatever or you're reminded of so for me it's like just that little break from i don't want to say break but just a time where you can actually be with yourself and just be mindful of yourself and how you move through space um it doesn't have to be so deep and meaningful in terms of like what you're thinking about. It's just that time that you invest in yourself. Um, you know, the, 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 the miles that you're doing, you're investing that those miles into your body. I mean, you're showing your body that you respect yourself, and you're showing your body you respect your mind by you know uh, giving yourself sort of that, that sort of thinking space. Um, so there's that sort of benefit. There's a the freedom side, and also it's for me, it's just about trying to be my best self, really. It's just an expression, a tool, um, which you can use in other areas of your life to help you be your best self. Yeah, it helps you. Helps you um, definitely build that 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 kind of <clears throat> internal strength. I think I completely agree with you and being your best best self. And um, thank you. And for also, that. as well, to add to that as well, it's just it also teaches you how to to fail. And I don't know if you had this as well, like growing up, like failure was almost seen like like criminal you could not fail especially being black you're just like you need to be x times better than your white counterparts you need to be this you need to be that you can't you can't miss up um so you go through your life sort of with that kind of chip in your shoulder and as you get older you realize what's true what's not true what's yours to carry what's not yours to carry yeah um but i think essentially running has really taught me to kind of chill out a little bit more and just be like okay with I don't say failing, but failing is not a dirty word. Do you know what I mean? Like you could put all the effort in, and you might not get what you you've done. But if you could turn around and be like, "I gave it my best," you know what? Nothing could nothing could take it away from you. Yeah, definitely. Inspirational, marathon, Marcus. Honestly, so you have talked about failing. Why is breaking three hours in the marathon something you want to do? Um, so last year I spoke about breaking three hours and um, it's it was just an, it's just the next goal really I, I don't want to make it seem like it's the be all and the end all and then you get to that goal and then you're done you know you put your slippers on you chill out um, in life we're always moving from a mountain to mountain you don't necessarily need to be getting faster you might, your goal might be to do another challenge or help other people or do you know what I mean yeah but you always need to be kind of I don't believe in staying still, staying stuck because, you know, you've got a life, you've got an opportunity. Like, why would you waste it? Just kind of, not, you know, just kind of holding yourself back from whatever gifts that you have or whatever things you could develop, yeah. whatever gifts you can bring yeah. to the world. Why would you you doing yourself a disservice by doing that? So I think for me, sub three is a goal that I'm working towards, but it's not the be on and end all. But also you've got to bear in mind, especially with like, athletics and anything like that is you have to be really mindful of the sort of making that goal or everything because it can be can, can be quite limiting to a certain degree because you can almost like put your put the handbrake on yourself and i feel like i potentially was getting taught like that towards the end of last year yeah where say you're doing your training and you say you've got to run under 650 uh minute per mile to break uh sub three and you can actually be limiting yourself, especially your training and your mindset. So you have to be mindful on one hand to be like, this is my goal, but 
I also want to be the best that I can be. Do you know what I mean? It's a yeah. real, it's a real sort of dichotomy between that. You know I mean, just being focused but being being relaxed and loose at the same time. Yeah, trying not to let the target sap your sap the enjoyment probably out of it as well, right? Yeah, and if you don't hit the target, you know, you feel wretched, you feel awful. Do you know what I mean? Like if you make it your everything, then you've got everything to lose. Yeah. So it's a real challenge, really. I hear you. Um, took me nine attempts. Man. So yeah, it's it's uh, I've been there, and then last year I did it and ran in two fifty. So, you know, I've been there, so I know what you're going through, bro. And what I would say to you is, um, what you've said right now in terms of uh, allowing that relaxation and giving yourself space is uh, probably where I got better as a runner. And yeah, just I think that's probably one of the key factors. Um, and I feel confident you can do it because you're attempting it, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it's really great to sort of hear from your side, and it just goes to show in life that people can look at you and think, "Ah, oh, it's right for Manny. He just he does does it." But like me, like you've come back so many times to come in and make that happen, and it's such a great lesson for life that you know, just don't give up, just keep going, and and that's the way I sort of feel like it. Like now, I'm just like I'm one step closer. Than I was before, and once it closer than I was before. Yeah. So, my next attempt is um, well, obviously it was going to be London Marathon, but you know, for the right reasons, it's been postponed due to this sort of global pandemic. Um, so there's lots of smaller races happening across the country, well not lots, but I'm taking part in a smaller race and same day, and yeah, I'm just um, doing the work, training for that. But well, I say I've been training for it, but. <laughs> It goes back to my original point, like you know, marathon training block isn't 16 weeks, as you know. It's you're you're consistently training. So even during lockdown, doing the time trials, I'm still maintaining. Do you know what I mean? You, you never like uh, I'm stopped. I'm stopped. Yeah. Just keeping ticking over, keeping yeah. ticking over, and then when you then you can jump into the, the cycle. But also you can't stay in that cycle throughout the year because you know you're just burnt out mentally, physically. There's a real sort of chance, sort of know when to go into that that point so now we've got the race it's actually really good because yeah you know you need to sort of really manage manage that really well for the year because like we've all got like a limited amount of energy that we can expend no one can go beast mode no one can go like david goggins mode every day (laughs) (laughs) we all need a recharge but definitely enjoy it you know i think just just uh that's probably the difference i found that you know i just enjoyed it and um I think that's one of the most important things that you have to do with running allow allow it to be an enjoyable experience and um vibes just have vibes man just you know let things relax let let things go a little bit don't be too too um this is just from my experience don't be too kind of harsh on yourself as uh, marcus has also um reiterated now marcus Last Can question. I just jump to one Go. thing that you just said there. Yeah. I've been thinking about this recently, uh, my runs as well, and it's, especially in the conversation I've had with people, and uh, something that Knox said as well. When I, was, I was saying to him, "What are you thinking about when you're running?" It's like he gave a he gave, gave a better answer than I'm giving now. But essentially, I think you can overthink things. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I've done all the work. Do you know what I mean? When I'm in the race, I'm just letting it happen. I'm like, it's just you're just flowing in just in that moment. Yeah, like you're saying in this relaxing, and it's especially like even I think when I'm running, it's like when you say to someone run faster, you think people might think oh, I've got to tense up and I've got to like be pumping my arms. But to run faster, especially the marathon, you, you've got to relax. 
you've got to let the legs flow. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And yeah, I totally uh, appreciate what you're saying. And um, like hearing from you, hearing from other people, you know, it's like, yeah, it's obviously some advice. Well, sorry, man, you 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 say your 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 question. I always I forget that sometimes. This is a no, it's good. It's good. I like it. I like it. I like it. It's, it's good that you're, you, you know, you're open to, to 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 adding some more to the to the pot. But yeah, I completely agree. That perpetual motion of just allowing things to flow is is important. Um, do you? This is the last question. I want to end the podcast on this. Do you have any thoughts of how running as a black man? influences you or you know has has you how have you experienced running as a black man um in the uk like what does that what what does that look like to you how has that evolved over time and and for you is that are there things that you'd like listeners to know uh i'll answer that question but i want to also talk about the black trail runners which i'm involved with as well um, perfect i will end on that but to answer your question What's it running like running as a black man? Um, it's like, what is it like being a black man in the UK? As much as people say like running is this kind of utopia, it's not. It's a reflection of society. Um, and whilst you might not experience, a, say, uh, lots of overt racism, like it was like I was a kid, um, you still get the kind of uh, subtle, insidious. Uh, bits that you get and sometimes when you say it to people they're like no nah, that's not really racist and like for example I was running uh, my local route and I go out into like, the countryside my country roads uh, I stop and I'm on my phone just I get a call so I can answer the call this guy approaches me and he comes up and he goes I, are you lost and I'm looking at him like unless <laughs> you've been working like if I was lost and I've seen you I would have approached you to ask you if I'm lost Essentially, what this guy is asking is like, you don't look like you belong here. Why are you here? <laughs> That's how you sort of see it. Because I was just like, no, I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm, 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 I live around here. And he kind of walked off. But those, those are the kind of things that like we would talk about. But if you were to say it to someone, they're like, no, nah, that's not really just asking you, just being nice. But like, no one approaches you if you've not approached them to say, are you lost? If you're lost, you generally would be the first one approaching them. Yeah. Um, so those are the kind of little things that you get, um, even in, like in like, around London. Well, just outside London, but I guess outside of London, it, you know, it's, it's also the challenges there. But even when I go to the states, and I'm sure you probably feel like this as well. Like <laughs> even when I do like uh, New York or Chicago, or Boston. I'm thankfully not had experience, but you, you know, as a black person, like if you ever kind of get involved with the police or anything like that, you have to be like reduce yourself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So you're always worried about a situation, even traveling um, abroad. Um, so you're always like consciously aware. And like I said, like sometimes for me, like running is an amazing thing because you can just not forget, but you're just not having to be consciously reminded or consciously thinking about, or subconsciously even thinking about what you look like and how other people see you because you're just being you moving through space. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah it's a real kind of challenging sort of uh, how do we change things man this is a good question because well, just look at things through history you just think man like certain things happen and you think oh this is the time where things can happen it's going to change this is the time where things can happen like I'm sure like with Emmett Till like years and years back when they opened the casket and they showed his body like people thinking like this is going to be a change 
but you know, it didn't really do too much. You know what I mean? And there's, there's different things in history there. You think, oh, okay, this is going to change things. Um, you know, we've had so many people dying, like police brutality, um, and we, I know a lot of this coverage has been given to a lot of stuff stateside. But you know, here we've got like Mark Duggan, you know, George Charles Dominus. Do you know what I mean? There were so many people in the UK, but because there wasn't like some of an iPhone or a smartphone capturing it, do you know what I mean? We don't, we, we weren't so. You know, we didn't have to see what happened with, with George. We didn't have to see what happened with Ahmad. I mean, seeing Ahmad. I mean, that video is just like so. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. The black person that's hard because you're thinking I'm just, he's just going for a run you yeah. know what I mean not so and then with George as well you know you see a, a grown man like calling for his mum do you know what I mean it's like that's hard to kind of see so you hope that these kind of things do lead to a change uh, in terms of how people um, see racism and when I talk about racism it's like the, the example I was speaking about before it's the insidious stuff not so much the overt stuff because the issue we have with racism especially today is that like People would sort of say, well, there's racist and there's not racist. But they sort of think, uh, you know, I'm not flag burning, I'm not mob burning, like mob mentality type racist, I'm not calling a black person, whatever. Um, I'm not a racist. But then if something happens where, you know, someone makes a joke, oh, let's do blackface or, or like, you know, do like your, so do some sort of rapping pressure or something like that, you're like, well, come on, that's not really, like, that's not really cool. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah. Those little things, you're like, well, it's not you think it's not harmful but it's still an issue you should call it out it's just like the same sort of thing as like don't be sexist don't be homophobic if mm. if someone's doing something call out that, that ridiculous behavior um and i think we where it starts it starts from all of us really just checking our own behaviors and the way that we're saying things and what we're doing and um starting from where we are you don't need to be like putting up trees but you know you need to be having the conversation you need to be pulling up people that saying certain things and even the positions where, where stuff that I'm doing I just feel like we're all doing I mean we're all if you speak to someone in a position of influence and just be like are you reflecting on your behaviours I mean taking race outside of it I mean as a person you should always be looking at yourself and being like oh did I say the right thing in, in whatever situation am I think am I checking my thoughts yeah you know I mean just yeah. having that sort of reflective time in yourself yeah in a daily process not like second guessing yourself but like you know as i was saying and and the same way we can bring that into sort of this this debate really in terms of um you know black lives matter and it's just so much work to do and and the, the frustrating thing is like when you hear people sort of saying like you know all lives matter and things like that well they're kind of missing the point because if it was really the case that all lives did matter then we wouldn't be having this conversation yeah all lives mattered equally we would not be having this conversation um there's there's so much so much to it. I mean, even we talk about what it's like being black in in Britain. You know, for example, uh, people you probably had the same sort of thing. Where are you from? Well, I'm from London. No, but where are you really from? And we're going way way back. I mean, it's just ridiculous. If you look at like the history of like Britain, I think one I think the oldest one the oldest sort of bodies found I think was like ten thousand years ago, the Cheddar Man, mm-hmm. and they basically found that this guy in Britain was like dark skinned, curly hair. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> sort of just this myth that everyone was white in Britain. Why are you here? Yeah. Type thing. Yeah. And it's that that history, that education, and there's a lot that that kind of stuff isn't really taught in schools. It's like it starts from like when we're young. I mean, we you probably just learn a little bit about slavery, and it was like, oh, it's really bad, and we stopped it. But 
if you look deeper, it wasn't like that. I mean, like how many people were paid off so that that could happen? Yeah. I think the UK only just got out of debt for paying all reparations for that. But <laughs> we don't talk about that in schools. No. We just say, oh, you know, we just go, slavery is wrong, we stopped it. No, yeah. Um, I mean, I'll go through the tangent here, but I mean, there's just so many things within society about how, um, you know, black, black people have been viewed. And even if you watch, like, the um, Netflix documentary, The 13th, yeah. um, even though it's Americanized, if you watch that, you can really see the parallels between, like, the UK and, and, and the, sort of America and the UK, and just between, like, how the black person, black man, has been represent, represented, like, being dangerous, being perceived as a threat type thing. Like, for example, I give you an example. Like, if I walk down the street in a hoodie or whatever, people look at me like, it's a black guy, don't mean look dangerous. And you have it with people cross the roads or hold their, their purse and stuff. But then it's funny enough, like, when I had my kids, I'd be walking out with my kids, people are smiling at you like you're just like, <laughs> it's just such a weird situation. The same people that are like, where have you like now yeah. smiling, like you're like oh you're not you're 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 an okay one you're you're good yeah I, yeah i was okay before do you know what i mean yeah so. it's a tough one very tough situation and um you you're you're doing stuff let's let's talk about ultra ultra what's what's it what's, black, what's, trail, what's, black yeah. trail runnings yeah sorry ultra running is um is dora um but yeah, yeah black trail runners let's talk about that yeah so Obviously, some people might say, hi, oh, but you're a road runner, so why are you doing trail running? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I'd say that if you look at sort of the UK, a lot of black people, say, would live in urban areas. Yeah. And there's not a lot of access to kind of running in those sort of country areas. I mean, I said to you, example, me running where I was, and people are like, why are you here? <laughs> so, you know, you lost. Yeah. So some people don't feel comfortable sort of just leaving London to get a train to go out in a different area to run in. Lots of people will say like, oh, you know, it's not an issue. Um, and just because it's not an issue for you doesn't mean it's not an issue for other people. It's like, just because uh, might say my, a woman's experienced sexism, and I haven't as a man, doesn't mean it's not a, a real valid experience. It's not right for me to sort of dismiss it. Um, so there's a lot of kind of issues in that sort of side, but um, so I got involved with a, a group of, you know, other great runners, like you mentioned Dora as well. And we're just looking at basically just trying to encourage representation and access into uh, trail running. And I know that, you know, road running tends to be like the access into it, but running in the trails or just running outside of nature is an amazing experience. And I've, I mean, I've done running the trails, I've done, I've run like in the desert, do you know what I mean? I've done like Peru and like when you run in like some of these places it's just an incredible place you feel so connected to yourself to the world um but what we are trying to do at black trail runners is trying to work on three pillars so access representation and skills um and at, initially we've wrote a, an open letter to race directors about um it's almost like a tug of cheek type thing to ask about data because we know the question is like how many black people are in your races and yeah like, there's not been a lot um or they've not asked the question um so we basically start the conversation that way and we've been really surprised by actually the amount of um races and that have sort of come to us and said like you know this is something we think about we're not sure how to go about it but we'd like to get involved and so we're having conversations now about that and we've got some other things in the pipeline which we kind of want to share that's great in due course but essentially, yeah, it's just 
working the, the issue really before is just like if you don't see yourself represented it's hard to sort of to be there but also if you're not at the table then you can't be represented no i remember listening to, to uh, an interview someone said about rihanna she said uh, rihanna she was uh, doing like something with the brand and she was at a table and all the people, she said, like, she got up and she walked in. She said, this is my team. They're like, yeah, she got up and she walked out. I was like, there's no one in here that looks like me, so I'm, I'm at work with you guys. And obviously, we can't all be in that position to do that. But yeah. The point is, is that, like, what we're trying to do as well is just be at the tables, have it at the conversations that matter. Yeah. Um, to not just be, like, black, 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 but just be like, are you making sure that you are equally representing everyone that... So everyone can sort of look at and be seen. Yeah. It's not ultimately that you want to be like create like a separatist type black trail runners thing only. The point is the reason why I say it is because what is normal is is white 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 running uh, subconsciously. Um, so what we like trying to do is just trying to make uh, the black runners within the trail experience more normal uh, and part of it, and not feel so alien. Um, and you get some some real sort of genuine things like I mean we've been trying to set some things up and people are genuinely like well are there going to be other people that going out to the races that look like me and you're like okay well, that's a genuine sort of concern do you know what I mean yeah. so it's not always the case of just like here's a place go and run it it's like okay we need to kind of be there in numbers as well yeah um, and with other with other with other allies as well it doesn't have to be like a black group but do you know what I mean just just a group that's diverse as well. But there's like so many points to access. It's not just here's here's a race entry, here's some shoes, here's some poles. Yeah. Here's a hydration pack. Yeah. Go run hundred miles. <laughs> it's crazy. David Coggin style. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I mean to be honest though, like I can on one hand, like people look at it and be like, Yeah, just pull yourselves up by bootstraps like David Goggins or that kind of thing. Like I could look at it and be like, for me the six stars are gonna be like I didn't see a black person do it, but I thought I wanted to do it. I appreciate everyone's like that. Yeah. You know I mean, and just because that's my mindset doesn't mean that you should disregard other people. That's why I'm more open and, and mindful to, to listening to what other people say. And that I think it's you probably doing podcasts as well and in your line of work, working in, in sports as well, you get to learn and speak to people and understand where they're coming from. So, and you can't, you learn that like, even the kids, like you just can't put your own opinion on someone. If someone's going through something, listen to it. Amazing. People want to be heard amazing love this energy you got you got in there and that was great so we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up but before we wrap it up i've got a surprise for you so everybody who jumps on the podcast gives us a track of the podcast marcus so tell me on the spot i've put you on the spot what is your track of the podcast what's it gonna be oh man uh so I I'll... tend to listen to audiobooks. Okay. <laughs> okay. We, we uh, can't play 10 like seconds a... of an audiobook, though. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I, I, I listened to the game David Goggins, like, Can't Hurt Me. I listened to that on repeat quite a bit. Um, but in terms of songs, I mean, I'm probably not going to do myself any favours here, but Eminem, Not Afraid. I mean, for me, that, nice, that kind of nice. is just life, just like not giving or whatever, just going out and just doing it. Okay. Being scared to fail. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's kind of one of my one of my songs on my playlist. Eminem. Not afraid. Not afraid. So I'll be playing Eminem. Not afraid. Ten second snippet. Marcus, this has been the Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast. Thank you for jumping on. Um, I'm gonna let you go. 
um, and we will talk soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me on the show, man. It's been great talking to you. Lovely. So my guy Marcus asked for Eminem, Not Afraid. Ten seconds of that song. Here we go. So, go away, listen to that track. Eminem, not afraid. This has been the Running Lifestyle Culture Podcast, hitting you with another episode. Chopping it up with Marcus, he's about to run London Marathon virtually and crush three hours. My guy Marcus, big love. Travel well. Looking forward to chat with you in the post-mortem of this marathon. Coach Manny, out. Peace.